Preface to Selections from the Principles of Philosophy. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by phone. Selections from the Principles of Philosophy by Rene Descartes. Translated by John Veitch. Letter of the Author to the French Translator of the Principles of Philosophy Serving for a Preface. Sir, the version of my principles which you have been at pains to make is so elegant and finished as to lead me to expect that the work will be more generally read in french than in latin and better understood the only apprehension i entertain is lest the title should deter some who have not been brought up to letters or with whom philosophy is in bad repute because the kind they were taught has proved unsatisfactory and this makes me think that it will be useful to add a preface to it for the purpose of showing what the matter of the work is what end i had in view in writing it and what utility may be derived from it but although it might be my part to write a preface of this nature seeing i ought to know these particulars better than any other person i cannot nevertheless prevail upon myself to do anything more than merely to give a summary of the chief points that fall as i think to be discussed in it and i leave it to your discretion to present to the public such part of them as you shall judge proper i should have desired in the first place to explain in it what philosophy is by commencing with the most common matters as for example that the word philosophy signifies the study of wisdom and that by wisdom is to be understood not merely prudence in the management of affairs but a perfect knowledge of all that man can know as well for the conduct of his life as for the preservation of his health and the discovery of all the arts and that knowledge to subserve these ends must necessarily be deduced from first causes so that in order to study the acquisition of it which is properly called philosophizing we must commence with the investigation of those first causes which are called principles now these principles must possess two conditions in the first place they must be so clear and evident that the human mind when it attentively considers them cannot doubt of their truth in the second place the knowledge of other things must be so dependent on them as that though the principles themselves may indeed be known apart from what depends on them the latter cannot nevertheless be known apart from the former it will accordingly be necessary thereafter to endeavour so to deduce from those principles the knowledge of the things that depend on them as that there may be nothing in the whole series of deductions which is not perfectly manifest god is in truth the only being who is absolutely wise that is who possesses a perfect knowledge of all things but we may say that men are more or less wise as their knowledge of the most important truths is greater or less and i am confident that there is nothing in what i have now said in which all the learned do not concur i should in the next place have proposed to consider the utility of philosophy and at the same time have shown that since it embraces all that the human mind can know we ought to believe that it is by it we are distinguished from savages and barbarians and that the civilization and culture of a nation is regulated by the degree in which true philosophy nourishes in it and accordingly that to contain true philosophers is the highest privilege a state can enjoy besides this i should have shown that as regards individuals it is not only useful for each man to have intercourse with those who apply themselves to this study but that it is incomparably better he should himself direct his attention to it just as it is doubtless to be preferred that any man should make use of his own eyes to direct his steps and enjoy by means of the same the beauties of colour and light than that he should blindly follow the guidance of another though the latter course is certainly better than to have the eyes closed with no guide except oneself but to live without philosophizing is in truth the same as keeping the eyes closed without attempting to open them 
and the pleasure of seeing all that sight discloses is not to be compared with the satisfaction afforded by the discoveries of philosophy and finally the study is more imperatively requisite for the regulation of our manners and for conducting us through life than is the use of our eyes for directing our steps the brutes which have only their bodies to conserve are continually occupied in seeking sources of nourishment but men of whom the chief part is the mind ought to make the search after wisdom their principal care for wisdom is the true nourishment of the mind and i feel assured moreover that there are very many who would not fail in the search if they would but hope for success in it and knew the degree of their capabilities for it there is no mind how ignoble soever it be which remains so firmly bound up in the objects of the senses as not some time or other to turn itself away from them in the aspiration after some higher good although not knowing frequently wherein that good consists the greatest favourites of fortune those who have health honours and riches in abundance are not more exempt from aspirations of this nature than others nay i am persuaded that these are the persons who sigh the most deeply after another good greater and more perfect still than any they already possess but the supreme good considered by natural reason without the light of fate is nothing more than the knowledge of truth through its first causes in other words the wisdom of which philosophy is the study and as all these particulars are indisputably true all that is required to gain assent to their truth is that they be well stated but as one is restrained from assenting to these doctrines by experience which shows that they who make pretensions to philosophy are often less wise and reasonable than others who never applied themselves to the study i should have here shortly explained wherein consists all the science we now possess and what are the degrees of wisdom at which we have arrived the first degree contains only notions so clear of themselves that they can be acquired without meditation the second comprehends all that the experience of the senses dictates the third that which the conversation of other men teaches us to which may be added as the fourth the reading not of all books but especially of such as have been written by persons capable of conveying proper instruction for it is a species of conversation we hold with their authors and it seems to me that all the wisdom we in ordinary possess is acquired only in these four ways for i do not class divine revelation among them because it does not conduct us by degrees but elevates us at once to an infallible faith there have been indeed in all ages great minds who endeavoured to find the fifth road to wisdom incomparably more sure and elevated than the other four the path they essayed was the search of first causes and true principles from which might be deduced the reasons of all that can be known by man and it is to them the appellation of philosophers has been more especially accorded i am not aware that there is any one of them up to the present who has succeeded in this enterprise the first and chief whose writings we possess are plato and aristotle between whom there was no difference except that the former following in the footsteps of his master socrates ingeniously confessed that he had never yet been able to find anything certain and that he was contented to write what seemed to him probable imagining for this end certain principles by which he endeavoured to account for the other things aristotle on the other hand characterised by less candour although for twenty years the disciple of plato and with no principle beyond those of its master completely reversed his mode of putting them and proposed as true and certain what it is probable he himself never esteemed as such but these two men had acquired much judgment and wisdom by the four preceding means qualities which raised their authority very high so much so that those who succeeded them were willing rather to acquiesce in their opinions than to seek better for themselves the chief question among their disciples however was as to whether we ought to doubt of all things or hold some as certain a dispute which led them on both sides into extravagant errors 
for a part of those who were for doubt extended it even to the actions of life to the neglect of the most ordinary rules required for its conduct those on the other hand who maintained the doctrine of certainty supposing that it must depend upon the senses trusted entirely to them to such an extent was this carried by epicurus that it is said he ventured to affirm contrary to all the reasonings of the astronomers that the sun is no larger than it appears it is a fault we may remark in most disputes that as truth is the mean between the two opinions that are upheld each disputant departs from it in proportion to the degree in which he possesses the spirit of contradiction but the error of those who lent too much to the side of doubt was not followed for any length of time and that of the opposite party has been to some extent corrected by the doctrine that the senses are deceitful in many instances nevertheless i do not know that this error was wholly removed by showing that certitude is not in the senses but in the understanding alone when it has clear perceptions and that while we only possess the knowledge which is acquired in the first four grades of wisdom we ought not to doubt of the things that appear to be true in what regards the conduct of life nor esteem them as so certain that we cannot change our opinions regarding them even though constrained by the evidence of reason from ignorance of this truth or if there was any one to whom it was known from neglect of it the majority of those who in these later ages aspired to be philosophers blindly followed aristotle so that they frequently corrupted the sense of his writings and attributed to him various opinions which he would not recognize as his own were he now to return to the world and those who did not follow him among whom are to be found many of the greatest minds did yet not escape being imbued with his opinions in their youth as these formed a staple of instruction in the schools and thus their minds were so preoccupied that they could not rise to the knowledge of true principles and though i hold all the philosophers in esteem and am unwilling to incur odium by my censure i can adduce a proof of my assertion which i do not think any of them will gainsay which is that they all laid down as a principle what they did not perfectly know for example i know none of them who did not suppose that there was gravity in terrestrial bodies but although experience shows us very clearly that bodies we call heavy descend toward the centre of the earth we do not therefore know the nature of gravity that is the cause or principle in virtue of which bodies descend and we must derive our knowledge of it from some other source the same may be said of a vacuum and atoms of heat and cold of dryness and humidity and of salt sulphur and mercury and the other things of this sort which some have adopted as their principles but no conclusion deduced from a principle which is not clear can be evident even although the deduction be formally valid and hence it follows that no reasonings based on such principles could lead them to the certain knowledge of any one thing nor consequently advance them one step in the search after wisdom and if they did discover any truth this was due to one or other of the four means above mentioned notwithstanding this i am in no degree desirous to lessen the honour which each of them can justly claim i am only constrained to say for the consolation of those who have not given their attention to study that just as in travelling when we turn our back upon the place to which we were going we recede the farther from it in proportion as we proceed in the new direction for a greater length of time and with greater speed so that though we may be afterwards brought back to the right way we cannot nevertheless arrive at the destined place as soon as if we had not moved backwards at all so in philosophy when we make use of false principles we depart the farther from the knowledge of truth and wisdom exactly in proportion to the care with which we cultivate them and apply ourselves to the deduction of diverse consequences from them thinking that we are philosophizing well while we are only departing the farther from the truth from which it must be inferred that they who have learned the least of all that has been hitherto distinguished by the name of philosophy are the most fitted for the apprehension of truth
after making those matters clear i should in the next place have desired to set forth the grounds for holding that the true principles by which we may reach that highest degree of wisdom wherein consists the sovereign good of human life are those i have proposed in this work and two considerations alone are sufficient to establish this the first of which is that these principles are very clear and the second that we can deduce all other truths from them for it is only these two conditions that are required in true principles but i easily proved that they are very clear firstly by a reference to the manner in which i found them namely by rejecting all propositions that were in the least doubtful for it is certain that such as could not be rejected by this test when they were attentively considered are the most evident and clear which the human mind can know thus by considering that he who strives to doubt of all is unable nevertheless to doubt that he is while he doubts and that what reasons thus in not being able to doubt of itself and doubting nevertheless of everything else is not that which we call our body but what we name our mind or thought i have taken the existence of this thought for the first principle from which i very clearly deduce the following truths namely that there is a god who is the author of all that is in the world and who being the source of all truth cannot have created our understanding of such a nature as to be deceived in the judgments it forms of the things of which it possesses a very clear and distinct perception those are all the principles of which i avail myself touching immaterial or metaphysical objects from which i most clearly deduce these other principles of physical and corporeal things namely that there are bodies extended in length breadth and depth which are of diverse figures and are moved in a variety of ways such are in sum the principles from which i deduce all other truths the second circumstance that proves the clearness of these principles is that they have been known in all ages and even received as true and indubitable by all men with the exception only of the existence of god which has been doubted by some because they attributed too much to the perceptions of the senses and god can neither be seen nor touched but though all the truths which i class among my principles were known at all times and by all men nevertheless there has been no one up to the present who so far as i know has adopted them as principles of philosophy in other words as such that we can deduce from them the knowledge of whatever else is in the world it accordingly now remains for me to prove that they are such and it appears to me that i cannot better establish this than by the test of experience in other words by inviting readers to peruse the following work for though i have not treated in it of all matters that being impossible i think i have so explained all of which i had occasion to treat that they who read it attentively will have ground for the persuasion that it is unnecessary to seek for any other principles than those i have given in order to arrive at the most exalted knowledge of which the mind of man is capable especially if after the perusal of my writings they take the trouble to consider how many diverse questions are therein discussed and explained and referring to the writings of others they see how little probability there is in the reasons that are adduced in explaining of the same questions by principles different from mine and that they may the more easily undertake this i might have said that those imbued with my doctrines have much less difficulty in comprehending the writings of others and estimating their true value than those who have not been so imbued and this is precisely the opposite of what i before said of such as commenced with the ancient philosophy namely that the more they have studied it the less fit are they for rightly apprehending the truth i should also have added a word of advice regarding the manner of reading this work which is that i should wish the reader at first to go over the whole of it as he would a romance without greatly straining his attention or tarrying at the difficulties he may perhaps meet with in it with the view simply of knowing in general the matters of which i treat and that afterwards if they seem to him to merit a more careful examination and he feel a desire to know their causes 
he may read it a second time in order to observe the connection of my reasonings but that he must not then give it up in despair although he may not everywhere sufficiently discover the connection of the proof or understand all the reasonings it being only necessary to mark with a pen the places where the difficulties occur and continue to read without interruption to the end then if he does not grudge to take up the book a third time i am confident he will find in a fresh perusal the solution of most of the difficulties he will have marked before and that if any still remain their solution will in the end be found in another reading i have observed on examining the natural constitutions of different minds that there are hardly any so dull or slow of understanding as to be incapable of apprehending good opinions or even of acquiring all the highest sciences if they be but conducted along the right road and this can also be proved by reason for as the principles are clear and as nothing ought to be deduced from them unless most manifest inferences no one is so devoid of intelligence as to be unable to comprehend the conclusions that flow from them but besides the entanglement of prejudices from which no one is entirely exempt although it is they who have been the most ardent students of the false sciences that receive the greatest detriment from them it happens very generally that people of ordinary capacity neglect to study from a conviction that they want ability and that others who are more ardent press on too rapidly whence it comes to pass that they frequently admit principles far from evident and all doubtful inferences from them for this reason i should wish to assure those who are too distrustful of their own ability that there is nothing in my writings which they may not entirely understand if they only take the trouble to examine them and i should wish at the same time to warn those of an opposite tendency that even the most superior minds will have need of much time and attention to remark all i design to embrace therein after this that i might lead men to understand the real design i had in publishing them i should have wished here to explain the order which it seems to me one ought to follow with the view of instructing himself in the first place a man who has merely the vulgar and imperfect knowledge which can be acquired by the four means above explained ought before all else to endeavour to form for himself a code of morals sufficient to regulate the actions of his life as well for the reason that this does not admit of delay as because it ought to be our first care to live well in the next place he ought to study logic not that of the schools for it is only properly speaking a dialectic which teaches the mode of expounding to others what we already know or even of speaking much without judgment of what we do not know by which means it corrupts rather than increases good sense but the logic which teaches the right conduct of the reason with the view of discovering the truths of which we are ignorant and because it greatly depends on usage it is desirable he should exercise himself for a length of time in practising its rules on easy and simple questions as those of the mathematics then when he has acquired some skill in discovering the truth in these questions he should commence to apply himself in earnest to true philosophy of which the first part is metaphysics containing the principles of knowledge among which it is the explication of the principal attributes of god of the immateriality of the soul and of all the clear and simple notions that are in us the second is physics in which after finding the true principles of material things we examine in general how the whole universe has been framed in the next place we consider in particular the nature of the earth and of all the bodies that are most generally found upon it as air water fire the lodestone and other minerals in the next place it is necessary also to examine singly the nature of plants of animals and above all of man in order that we may thereafter be able to discover the other sciences that are useful to us thus all philosophy is like a tree of which metaphysics is the root physics the trunk and all the other sciences the branches that grow out of this trunk which are reduced to three principal 
namely medicine mechanics and ethics by the science of morals i understand the highest and most perfect which presupposing an entire knowledge of the other sciences is the last degree of wisdom but as it is not from the roots or the trunk of trees that we gather the fruit but only from the extremities of their branches so the principal utility of philosophy depends on the separate uses of its parts which we can only learn last of all but though i am ignorant of almost all these the zeal i have always felt in endeavouring to be of service to the public was the reason why i published some ten or twelve years ago certain essays on the doctrines i thought i had acquired the first part of these essays was a discourse on the method of rightly conducting the reason and seeking truth in the sciences in which i gave a summary of the principal rules of logic and also of an imperfect ethic which a person may follow provisionally so long as he does not know any better the other parts were three treatises the first of dioptrics the second of meteors and the third of geometry in the dioptrics i designed to show that we might proceed far enough in philosophy as to arrive by its means at the knowledge of the arts that are useful to life because the invention of the telescope of which i there gave an explanation is one of the most difficult that has ever been made in the treatise of meteors i desire to exhibit the difference that subsists between the philosophy i cultivate and that taught in the schools in which the same matters are usually discussed in fine in the geometry i profess to demonstrate that i had discovered many things that were before unknown and thus afford ground for believing that we may still discover many others with the view of thus stimulating all to the investigation of truth since that period anticipating the difficulty which many would experience in apprehending the foundations of the metaphysics i endeavour to explain the chief points of them in a book of meditations which is not in itself large but the size of which has been increased and the matter greatly illustrated by the objections which several very learned persons sent to me on occasion of it and by the replies which i made to them at length after it appeared to me that those preceding treatises had sufficiently prepared the minds of my readers for the principles of philosophy i also published it and i have divided this work into four parts the first of which contains the principles of human knowledge and which may be called the first philosophy or metaphysics that this part accordingly may be properly understood it will be necessary to read beforehand the book of meditations i wrote on the same subject the other three parts contain all that is most general in physics namely the explication of the first laws or principles of nature and the way in which the heavens the fixed stars the planets comets and generally the whole universe were composed in the next place the explication in particular of the nature of this earth the air water fire the magnet which are the bodies we most commonly find everywhere around it and of all the qualities we observe in those bodies as light heat gravity and the like in this way it seems to me i have commenced the orderly explanation of the whole of philosophy without omitting any of the matters that ought to precede the last which i discussed but to bring this undertaking to its conclusion i ought hereafter to explain in the same manner the nature of the other more particular bodies that are on the earth namely minerals plants animals and especially man finally to treat thereafter with accuracy of medicine ethics and mechanics i should require to do this in order to give the world a complete body of philosophy and i do not yet feel myself so old i do not much distrust my strength nor do i find myself so far removed from the knowledge of what remains as that i should not dare to undertake to complete this design provided i were in a position to make all the experiments which i should require for the basis and verification of my reasonings but seeing that would demand a great expenditure to which the resources of a private individual like myself would not be adequate unless aided by the public 
and as i have no ground to expect his aid i believe that i ought for the future to content myself with studying for my own instruction and posterity will excuse me if i fail hereafter to labour for them meanwhile that it may be seen wherein i think i have already promoted the general good i will here mention the fruits that may be gathered from my principles the first is the satisfaction which the mind will experience on finding in the work many truths before unknown for although frequently truth does not so greatly affect our imagination as falsity and fiction because it seems less wonderful and is more simple yet the gratification it affords is always more durable and solid the second fruit is that in studying these principles we will become accustomed by degrees to judge better of all the things we come in contact with and thus be made wiser in which respect the effect will be quite the opposite of the common philosophy for we may easily remark in those we call pedants that it renders them less capable of rightly exercising their reason than they would have been if they had never known it the third is that the truths which they contain being highly clear and certain will take away all ground of dispute and thus dispose men's minds to gentleness and concord whereas the contrary is the effect of the controversies of the schools which as they insensibly render those who are exercised in them more wrangling and opinionative are perhaps the prime cause of the heresies and dissensions that now harass the world the last and chief fruit of these principles is that one will be able by cultivating them to discover many truths i myself have not unfolded and thus passing by degrees from one to another to acquire in course of time a perfect knowledge of the whole of philosophy and to rise to the highest degree of wisdom for just as all the arts though in their beginnings they are rude and imperfect are yet gradually perfected by practice from their containing at first something true and whose effect experience evinces so in philosophy when we have true principles we cannot fail by following them to meet sometimes with other truths and we could not better prove the falsity of those of aristotle than by saying that men made no progress in knowledge by their means during the many ages they prosecuted them i well know that there are some men so precipitate and accustomed to use so little circumspection in what they do that even with the most solid foundations they could not rear a firm superstructure and as it is usually those who are the readiest to make books they would in a short time mar all that i have done and introduce uncertainty and doubt into my manner of philosophizing from which i have carefully endeavoured to banish them if people were to receive their writings as mine or as representing my opinions i had not long ago some experience of this in one of those who were believed desirous of following me the most closely and one too of whom i had somewhere said that i had such confidence in his genius as to believe that he adhered to no opinions which i should not be ready to avow as mine for he last year published a book entitled fundamental physics in which although he seems to have written nothing on the subject of physics and medicine which he did not take from my writings as well as from those i have published as from another still imperfect on the nature of animals which fell into his hands nevertheless because he has copied them badly and changed the order and denied certain metaphysical truths upon which all physics ought to be based i am obliged wholly to disavow his work and here to request readers not to attribute to me any opinion unless they find it expressly stated in my own writings and to receive no opinion as true whether in my writings or elsewhere unless they see that it is very clearly deduced from true principles i well know likewise that many ages may elapse ere all the truths deducible from these principles are evolved out of them as well because the greater number of such as remain to be discovered depend on certain particular experiments that never occur by chance 
but which require to be investigated with care and expense by men of the highest intelligence as because it will hardly happen that the same persons who have the sagacity to make the right use of them will possess also the means of making them and also because the majority of the best minds have formed so low an estimate of philosophy in general from the imperfections they have remarked in the kind of vogue up to the present time that they cannot apply themselves to the search after truth but in conclusion if the difference discernible between the principles in questions and those of every other system and the great array of truths deducible from them lead them to discern the importance of continuing the search after these truths and to observe the degree of wisdom the perfection and felicity of life to which they are fitted to conduct us i venture to believe that there will not be found one who is not ready to labour hard in so profitable a study or at least to favour and aid with all his might those who shall devote themselves to it with success the height of my wishes is that posterity may sometime behold the happy issue of it etc End of preface